it is a really, really hard thing. It's a universal truth <laughs> amongst helpers that it is a hard thing to be a helping professional in your 20s, often into your 30s too, but certainly in your 20s, you are given the worst jobs, the hardest jobs, you are asked to work the longest hours, you are asked to do things that are way outside your purview and experience and knowledge and skill level um, and just to figure it out and you're paid almost nothing for it. This is what it's like for everybody. And it's kind of like this, this is how you're earning your, I don't know, earning your stripes or whatever, I guess. But it, it really makes no sense because what ends up happening is the people who need our services that are in need of the highest level um, and intensity of care are getting it from people that don't know what they're doing. Not because it's their fault, just that's what it is. And then the young people who are coming in vibrant and filled with ideas and excited about the work go through a decade or so of such intense abuse that they end up on the other side of burnout by the, by the time they're 30. So the whole system is ridiculous. We need to figure out a better way to do this. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I know this way doesn't work. talking with Skylar McKinjay. Skylar is a 20-something helping professional. She has uh, been in the field. I actually, I worked with her um, and you would, I mean, she's so impressive in her professionalism and her approach to the work. Clearly, she has a very level head on her shoulders and she is someone who just brilliantly has started thinking about what she wants her career to look like and forming it for herself on her own terms, and she's in her 20s. This is like a unicorn. <laughs> and I and I just I'm I want people that are younger to listen to this episode and maybe hear something inspiring in what Skylar is doing and start to think for themselves that that, that could be possible. Because there's no reason you can't do it. Um, it's just that it's, you know, nobody does. But Skylar is. So in this episode, I give you Skylar McKinjay and her process around uh, coming into this work on her own terms. Oh, Skylar. Hi, Dana. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really great to have your perspective. Um, so today I have Skylar McKenjay, and she is my friend, and um, we used to work together, and she is exploring all sorts of new kind of business ventures and ideas about work for herself. But why don't you start, Skylar, can you just talk a little bit about kind of who you are in the helping professions, who you've been, what kind of work you've done, and how you sort of frame um, what, your, what your work experience has been like so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of starting out, 
Um, I am, I'm 28 years old. I graduated with my BA in sociology and a concentration in social work in 2014. Um, and two weeks later, I started a residential treatment job as a residential counselor. And while there, I embraced um, being able to get my master's as well in social work. I wanted to continue my education um, primarily because I knew I needed to, um, especially to make any money and in the sense of being able to have more opportunities to explore other parts of the helping field and mental health. I was really looking forward towards the internships and wanted a chance to kind of get out there, but still having the opportunity to work. Um, so I've been since 2014 in the helping profession in the sense as a residential counselor, um, I was able to fulfill a job as a clinical supervisor with the same program, providing family therapy, individual therapy, group therapies, um, and throughout my internships, I also had the opportunity to do um, college counseling, and I did case management in a pediatrics clinic. So I kind of have a, a little bit in each area of social work I've been able to explore. Right. And so what are you doing now? So you spent six years at the residential treatment facility, seven years almost? Yeah, almost. It's been six. Um, okay. And it was off and on with my internships. I did some per diem work, but I always stayed connected. Um, and now, so just recently, I want to say, yeah, it'll be a month and Monday. Um, I've moved down to South Florida with my boyfriend, Josh. Um, we decided back in December, we wanted to move down here to be closer to family and to explore more job opportunities, both for him and myself. So now I'm, I'm down in Florida in my house. Awesome. That's a big change. Huge change. Yeah, that was a huge shift for us. And as far as thinking about like work-wise, do you intend to stay? Do you intend to continue in the helping professions? Are you looking at other things? What are, what's your thought process there at this point? Yeah, so the move has had definitely, I mean, provoked me to think a lot about things, about who I am, who do I want to be, where do I want to end up? How do we figure out money? Um, and unfortunately, money has fueled a lot of my decision-making too, whether it's happiness or not of like, oh, can I pay bills if I'm going to do this? Um, so I bring that up just because and kind of deciding what I want next, um, I, I was having a hard time figuring it out because I had all of that in my head. Um, but once we got down here and then looking for jobs, I started to realize I was looking for a little bit of both of like something different just to get a break emotionally from direct care. Right. And then I was also looking in the other direction of like health and wellness because um, my background is also in being an athlete um, and playing basketball for many years. And also after basketball, both in high school and college, I continued to explore um, group fitness stuff and doing some weightlifting and wellness nutrition things on my own um, through Beachbody and other different programs. So a part of me started to think about how much I enjoyed that and how much it refuels me. So I started to look into different jobs that were in that section also. And as I was interviewing, um, I found myself gravitating more towards the health and wellness side of things and kind of 
having my own emotional reaction to the um, the interviews that were similar to um, the residential care work I had done in the past. Right. Sure. Yeah. Well, and just uh, two things. The first thought that came to my mind was we should, I mean, I feel like money is relevant and something I want to circle back to because it's not, I don't know that any of us can just pretend that <laughs> it doesn't play any factor in what it is that we're, that we're doing at any point. Um, and then also you were in direct care. I mean, as far as like a, a first job out of a out of a program, I, it's six years is like a long haul. <laughs> for yeah. One so to to just kind of validate that feeling burnt out after that kind of haul, uh, it makes sense. One of the things I wanted to kind of start with because I loved this. So you. You left the job at the residential treatment facility. You've been there for six years. You're kind of thinking about, I have these other interests. There's other parts of myself, whatever, you know, that I'm really wanting to pursue. Um, and when you left, you made this like ballsy post on social media. I did. Yeah. <laughs> it happened. And I was wondering if it would be okay with you if I read a part of that and then we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so just to kind of summarize what I'm looking at here, so there is a picture of you holding a mug, and the mug says, a wise woman once said, fuck this shit, and she lived happily ever after, right? And then you talk about how, you know, you're going to miss people in New Hampshire and all these different things. Um, and then you say, you're going to have the opportunity to meet new people and start new. And you write, my last job, I wore a costume for six years, hiding my witty humor and replacing it with professionalism, hiding my social media pages to avoid contact with students, which in a way felt like I was hiding myself from the world, rather than being allowed to embrace myself, working 12 hour days, so work was life. I said, totally, oh my God, so many people probably relate to that. And I didn't know what else to, to talk about. Yeah. Being desensitized to traumas and having it be normalized when us direct care staff were verbally and physically abused. Why did I stay for so long? For the kids, for the families, and most importantly, for my community and coworkers. I was a part of a broken system and so were they and that was no one's fault. I still and always will love the people I met and the community we created while working together. They will always hold a special place in my heart. Moving forward though, I am freeing myself and going to continue my journey in figuring out who I am and who I want to become and how I want to continue my career in helping others. Stay tuned, everyone, because I'm not hiding myself anymore. Cheers to more social media posts, sharing my journey, and staying connected. Stay safe out there, be well, and most importantly, thank you to all the direct care workers and essential staff out there. You are the real MVPs every day. So, okay. <laughs> so, can tell us, share a little bit about kind of this post for you, because this, I just like applauded 18 times, obviously. When yeah, and I got goosebumps even hearing you read it. And I, it's so funny how much, how much positive reinforcement I got from that post, both from people I worked with, yeah, who I mentioned in it, and also from friends and family and others who don't really even know me um, that well. But people were very, felt very um, kind of moved by what I wrote, which helped me feel even more like 
empowered to kind of share more about how I feel. Right. Um, really funny though, I have the mug with me as we're talking because I, I thought it would be motivating <laughs> and motivational to, to, to have with me while we talk about this. But it was, it's funny because that, that was a gift from my coworkers when I left. Yeah. Um, so in a way that saying on the mug, it's very empowering because I'm not alone. And, and I know others aren't alone. And I knew other people could relate through what I was writing. And I felt it was important to share because it's not fair in a way for people to feel like they can't share those things. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it felt so true. And I felt like others could relate to it and maybe be also empowered or empowered to make kind of their own decisions around their life, whether it's through hearing me and what I'm going through or, um, being able to do it on their own. Right. Absolutely. Well, and even just to, I think, be able to acknowledge things that, especially for people that are newer in the professions, right? When you're in your 20s and you're working in the helping professions, you're sort of, it's just kind of like, this is just what it is. And yeah. the work just is what it is. And you do it or you leave, right? That's kind of what's presented to you. And so it becomes very normal. Like you say in the post, like you're desensitized you it, it you it's normalized to work 12 hours a day right and probably not for like a massive salary and to make work your life and not have anything else to talk about and um like you say being desensitized to trauma because you're in it on a daily basis and so it just becomes the things that you um see every day as opposed to something that you need to work through and process and then move on from because it's your daily life yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I will say too, just even the, the lack of resources that are out there too with that field and, and in that profession in general to help people process and be desensitized from it. Mm -hmm. and right. it. And it all goes back to money a little bit in my mind around it all. But um, I found myself with that post and writing it, I felt like I could finally reflect because I was away from it all. Yeah. Um, finally being out of it, finally having the shift. And I was only away from it for two weeks or three weeks. I think I mentioned that in the post and it's, and I was just sitting, uh, sitting by our pool that we have now at our new place, which is fantastic. <laughs> and just having coffee and sitting with my boyfriend and his mom. And I just started to reflect and it was, it felt so important to reflect and by doing that, it kind of is helping me figure out what I want to. I think it's an interesting idea to think about, you've been doing this, this is, this is the work that you have done at this singular place. Um, I mean, obviously other educational opportunities and stuff that you've done too, but it's really, it's been so focused in this one area um, and you were doing work that was all-consuming and um, grueling and hard. And so now you, you separate yourself from it for a short period of time and realize, okay, I want to kind of get back in touch with, um, with myself and who I am and, and all the parts of myself that maybe haven't been able to express themselves while you were in this place for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I think, so A, I think that's a very relatable experience to people in our field. I think a lot of people have, have been through that process. Um, 
And then, so I guess the question is, how do you start to do that? Like, how do you start to think about what do I really want for myself? How do I really identify myself as a helper? Am I even a helper anymore? Like what, you know, how do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah. Um, I think I'm still figuring out, right. (laughs) But, um, initially, I mean, right now for me, I've taken this time that I'm fortunate to have to reflect on what what was able to help me get through those six years and why, and then also what continues to make me happy and keep me motivated. Um, finally, being out of the field, it's helped me to reflect a little bit on what, what it is I felt I was good at, what were my strengths, what areas didn't I enjoy, and then that for myself in my personal life as well which was very limited because of the hours that I was working and going to school and doing all of the things like, like a lot of other people can relate to, um, to try and make things work or to try and create a profession. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into what those things directly are for me or if you want me. I wonder if it would be helpful too first, just to like, what did your, what did your day-to-day life look like when you were, when you were doing this work that you've come out of just to kind of show the juxtaposition of of what we're looking at now. So what, what was that like? (laughs) Which stage would you like? (laughs) Would you like post master's program or would you like (laughs) during master's? Um, What, what was it like for you most recently? Most recently. So like, like the past year of your, of your time there, what did that look like? Yep. So my, so very, I think I have to give some background just because of the position itself there, but I was essentially a salaried position. So my hours were, they were what they were, like whatever we had to meet 45 hours a week, technically. Um, and, and that was kind of it. As long as you met those hours, you were good. Um, but because of the emotional demand, the safety concerns, the understaffing, the high turnover rates in staff, um, we, we would be caught up in a phase of having to feel like we had to give more there to make sure other people were safe, whether that was staff or students. So kind of adding into that background, I think is important. But um, for me, my days would be I would try to do a 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. was always my goal in my hours there, Monday through Friday. But I found that I would go in at 9 a.m. Um, and I would sometimes leave at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, other times I would go in at 9 and I'd be able to leave by 7.30. Um, but the feeling you would have while you were there was that you were c- carrying glass balls, a lot of them. And at the end of the night, whenever it was you decided to leave, um, there was glass balls that were really important dropping and shattering. And you had to decide on your own. I had to decide on my own which balls were I, was I okay with dropping and shattering when I would leave at the end of the night? And that was a really hard feeling, Um, kind of knowing that when you leave, every day something isn't getting done that should be getting done based off of the expectation of my job at that point. Right. That's such a, that's a really powerful visual. I really, I really appreciate that because I think that that's, you know, that's a, that's, I, that's such a relatable idea. 
Mm -hmm. I think to a lot of people, this, this notion, especially in our field where the stakes are high, yes, it feels like you're not just kind of leaving, there is an unending list, right? And that's probably true for, for many professions. Um, but in this instance, it, because the stakes are so high, when there's still things on that list at the end of the day, those are things that are actively being, being dropped and there's consequences to that right and, and consequences that impact other people that's yeah. yeah that's a powerful image so that's that would be like the day-to-day -day experience in terms of how long you would work and how hard you would work yeah absolutely and obviously there was fun in between and connection with the kids and with the staff um but it, it definitely i was very under supported the program in itself is i mean mental health, nonprofit, they don't have enough resources and enough money and enough things to make everything function the way we would all like it to. Um, but I found myself staying there and being there because I knew I had strength in helping, in helping the students and the staff be able to grow and feel safe and be comfortable. But um, it definitely was taxing, overwhelming, and really hard to know um, that it wasn't gonna change anytime soon. And that was just gonna be the day to day because of the system and it being so broken. Right. But right. there's being that need. Were you able to take care, like, were you able to take any steps to take care of yourself emotionally or physically or? I was actually, um, which I think is why, what helped me stay there so long. But um, again, being a prior athlete, I found ways to fit um, wellness into my own routine mm -hmm. and fitness. I did my own kind of workout programs that I would have in the mornings on my own before I would go into work. I kind of, I did a lot of research around my own kind of health and what what I could do to kind of help my mental health day to day and sleep patterns and stuff like that. Um, support system was huge. I'm very passionate around making sure people have support systems. I think it's really hard to do anything alone and we're not meant to as humans. Um, and I feel that my support system between Josh, my boyfriend, my dad, really close friends and coworkers, including yourself, Dana, um, surrounding yourself with the right people that kind of balanced me or helped me not be able to have to worry about work. So being able to talk about other things. <laughs> and it was easy to talk about work outside of work because you just wanted the system to work so bad and felt it was so broken and had so much hope. Right. And then so you trapped. <laughs> that is, I think, such a common thing that you just find yourself only ever talking about. Yeah. And I, and I associate it with being unhappy a little bit. Like, it's just like, because you want to be happy so badly and you want other people to, that you want to talk about it because you want to fix it. You want to fix it. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think that that too, you know, the, the picture you're painting, I still, the, the glass balls thing, I'm going to like use that. I love that. But yeah, great. <laughs> getting to the end of the day, you, you luckily have been able to cultivate a support system um, with other people that are there, or, you know, to, to help bolster yourself and try to, to sort of um, put together things to take care of yourself when you're not working. I think that that kind of um, framework is really common. 
you know, certainly um, people that I've known, uh, obviously everyone I've worked with in nonprofit work, I think is very familiar with this kind of thing, as well as, um, as a therapist, I've worked with a lot of like nurses and teachers and um, they talk a lot about this kind of thing too, where it's like, you're sort of cobbling together something where outside of work, you are trying to put in place, like grab these little things that are quote unquote self-care oriented so that you can continue at your work, right? So rather than work sort of servicing your greater life and, you know, being a part of your larger life, the rest of your life is in service to your work where you're like, I'm going to grab this bubble bath, so whatever the bubble bath is. I don't know why bubble baths are such a self-care thing, but whatever. Yeah. I'm going to do this so like I can help my muscles, and I'm going to read this book about like meditation, and I'm going to try to take a walk with a friend like one day a week or whatever the case is, like, but creating an outside life that's in service to work and not the other way around. Um, and I think that's a really common thing that we do as helpers to just try to stay in it. Because like you said, there's always going to be a client or a person that you're not done helping, or there's always that idea that like, if I can just stick it out, like something's going to be better. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it makes it really difficult to leave. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get to that place where you were like, I'm ready to leave? Because <laughs> one of it the such a long process. <laughs> I know I like wrote down, I'm like, okay, so Skylar is 28. Yes. And I can assure you that when I was 28, I was nowhere near ready to make that kind of decision. So I just maybe you're like a decade ahead of me. I don't know. But how did you get there? Yeah, so I had been trying to leave. So taking a step back after my master's program, the reason I chose to stay was because I wanted to get licensed for social work. Yep. So there was incentive there for me because the program was helping with my licensure and helping fund it, which was great. Mm -hmm. So I felt really supported there. Um, and so towards the end of my licensure hours, I was very dead set on wanting to actively look for other places because I was not happy with how things were going for mm -hmm. myself and just in general. Um, so I looked into different jobs, I would say last October. Mm -hmm. uh, and would interview at different places and nothing felt like a good fit that was different than what I was doing or that wouldn't um, balance me. So I, I chose to stay. And then we went over to see Josh's family in December for Christmas. And we've always talked about the idea of moving down here to be closer to family because his his family's in the Fort Lauderdale area and mine's in the um, Tampa, Sarasota, and Marie Island side, um, the west side of Florida. So in December when we came, um, when we were saying goodbye, it was super emotional. It felt a lot different than it had other times in our lives leaving um, from visiting of just saying goodbye and like not wanting to leave. We never, I think Josh has had that feeling a couple times, but I had never really had it as much. Um, and when we had left and we got back, I, I kind of just looked at Josh and I was like, I think, I think I'm ready 
to do this if you are, and I think I need it. Um, and kind of associating that with kind of leaving my job and needing something different and in looking at self-care and what we were valuing family time was important to us. Right. So, um, we decided in December to start looking and I told the program I was with in January, right when we got back from vacation, um, that I was actively looking for other jobs and to be leaving the program, mm -hmm. um, and possibly moving. And so that process in itself dragged out from January until, um, June for us to be able to actually leave. I intended on sooner, but again, with money, jobs, COVID, um, all of the things kind of happened that got in the way of us leaving sooner, but um, we ultimately ended up being able to move and leave. Right. So you kind of had, my friend Jim calls it like a do it till it's done type experience where there wasn't like a last straw for you it was more like it just kind of drew itself out until you were like fully ready yeah and I again the type of person I am wanting to help others and wanting the program to be successful um, and not wanting to leave people hanging I I definitely felt I dragged it out too I think some people didn't even think I was gonna leave I think people were like, okay, Skylar, we'll see if it actually happens type of thing. Um, and, and I think mutually that was them also not wanting me to leave and me feeling emotionally connected to them. But I think some of that was there for me of like trying to find the right time to go and trying to help things be in place so that way it wouldn't be as bad when I left. Um, and on the other side of it, we were fortunate to have the pressure of moving and selling our house to kind of force us out the door. Right. Um, and I don't know, I still, I think about it and I'm like, is that what I needed was just to like pull the trigger and force the house selling and being like, Oh, we have nowhere to live now. So we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the cards all kind of panned out for us and we decided to do it. Right. That's awesome. Way to like set yourself free. Yeah. And it was, I will say it was super hard and super emotional. Um, I didn't think I would be as sad as I was when I was leaving until three days before is kind of when it all hit me. Um, it was very emotional, both with the program, talking with certain staff um, that were basically friends of mine, um, as much as family with some of them. And then even moving out of the house we had lived in for so long and felt like home and leaving my community that I kind of grew up in. Right, right. Well, because you didn't just leave the job, you left the, the whole area. Yeah. You're yep. in a totally different place. So there was a lot there to, to move away Process, from. Process, yeah, and go through. Absolutely. And then, and that's kind of why I wrote that post you read, because in the moment when I was leaving, I did not think getting down here, I would feel the way I do right now. Like I didn't see me feeling that sense of relief so quickly, mm -hmm. um, which was, which was kind of nice to have. Yeah. To like be down here and get that sense of relief because within the move, there is fear of like, what if I get there and I hate it? What if this is miserable? What if I don't feel connected. What if I don't figure out what I want or if I can't make money and, and finding all the reasons to kind of like not look forward to it, but at the same time trying to balance that. Um, and then getting here and kind of 
unpacking and getting our feet under us, um, a lot of that started to disappear on its own. And I, I felt like I had to reflect on it because I didn't think it would happen. Yeah. Like a part of me hoped it would happen, right? Like you, you're going to be like, yes, this is going to work. And you're going to tell people that, but you always have that anxiety and fears that you're going to process and not share with anyone. Right. Um, And that's kind of me sharing them right now, what I was going through without really saying that to people. I was going to be like, nope, this will work. We're going to find jobs. (laughs) Like we'll figure it out. But yeah, deep down it was like, fuck, what if it doesn't work? (laughs) What are we going to do? Right. Right. So you had that experience, you moved, you kind of had this immediate release and relief, right? Of like, okay, I'm feeling okay about this. And now we're moving forward and we're thinking about kind of um, how are you going to prioritize your wants and needs and identify, you know, get back in touch with who you are and really try to meet those you know, your emotional needs, your financial needs, the lifestyle needs, all those things that haven't quite been, you know, met for so long. So what is your process in thinking about it? Where are you with that? What is that looking like? Yeah, I decided to kind of like make a list for myself a little bit and just trying to prioritize, um, the both financially like where where I need to be at to for me and Josh to feel good and then also personally what type of work can I do to feel um like I'm helping and still being a helper but um filling my cup up at the same time instead of draining it um so instinctively I started to look towards the health and wellness side of things for jobs um and I was fortunate enough to find um, a new nutrition food retail company with, um, it's, um, called Fit Life Food down here. And I'm really excited to get started and working with them and hoping to kind of start a wellness coach position there once I'm trained up and kind of see where that takes me. I'm kind of taking it piece by piece and, and going to continue to keep looking at myself and self-reflecting both with you family and friends and kind of figuring it out and what I want. Okay, so let me set this scene for you. I was 35 years old, working at a residential program 50 plus hours a week, making less than $50,000 a year on public service loan forgiveness with nine years to go, two graduate degrees to pay for that totaled $101,000. I watched my interest accrue as I made minimum payments until my balance hit $121,000. I felt terrified, anxious, unwell, and I was sure that I couldn't stick it out to have my loans forgiven without having a mental breakdown. Do you relate to this story at all? Then I have a program for you. So I have a four week group intensive program rolling out in January, 2021 that will identify your stuck points and create an individualized plan for you to get out of student debt so you can be financially free. You'll work with me and a small group of like-minded individuals to follow the process that I did to pay off all my debts in a few years while increasing my income and cultivating a more satisfying career and lifestyle. Do you wanna learn more? Visit my website at danabelletier.com and check out the Help Yourself Group Intensive. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Car Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lohr. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. 
Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products. So what on your what's an example of some of the things on your list? Do you have like specific specific ideas or specific um, like things that you're trying to nurture, or is it like you know sure. just the concepts of like health and wellness and, and the fitness industry? Yeah, I think I'm definitely I want to nurture personally for me. Um, I personally will continue to work out and find community groups to connect with the best I can during COVID down here. Um, it's really hard because COVID's really bad down here in Florida yeah. right now. We're not um, doing so great, but um, networking and community is huge for me personally. So it's kind of a goal for myself with starting this new position and on my own to start building connections here. Um, for the wellness side of things, I'm continuing to like sit down and self-reflect and some questions around um, how I want to serve people. I think starting out, I'm going to continue just self-reflecting on social media, um, Mm -hmm. just based off of the responses I got from that post. I think I'm going to continue sharing my journey and start there um, Mm -hmm. while working on my wellness coach stuff. And then um, I'm going to continue finishing my licensure for social work to have that. Great. Great. Yeah. So keeping your options open in all the areas, but time, right. To be intentional about those things is so huge. Yeah. And I think I just need to continue like self-reflecting and exploring it to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And how about financially? Do you have financial goals for yourself? Yeah, I, (laughs) I would like to kind of be back at, um, a salary, for me personally, reaching back up to around 60,000 um, a year by January is my personal goal because that's where I was at when I was leaving New Hampshire. Um, but I, I'm putting the pieces into figuring out how I get there. Ultimately, I just want to have financial freedom. I don't want to feel strapped down yep. um, working on paying off loans and cars and all of the things. So... Um, I think down the road, my goal is also, as I go through that, it will be able to add another way I can help others as well. Right. Um, And figuring out their journeys and what's, what's their why and what's holding them back. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. You're going to totally hit that. You'll go past that. That's, that's awesome. That's a good. Yeah. That's just like for right now where we're at. Um, and starting it feels like starting over when I know it's not but um, in a way you kind of feel like that in going through this process sure yeah right it's a totally different thing I think it's uh, the, the idea that like you'd enter into something like that and just be totally confident about it and not have any amount of trepidation or fear is like it very inaccurate <laughs> you know that's it's a very normal thing to be uncertain about it or to be like this is totally new. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and also be able to be like, and I probably have accrued all of the tools plus more to put this together and, and make something really good for myself. Yeah, I'm excited. And I want to keep building up my self-confidence too. In that post, I wrote a little bit around, um, kind of feeling like I had to hide myself 
And I think that's impacted me and changed how I interact with people at times and not being able to let loose or being a little bit more serious. Um, so I've tried to kind of find and be a part of things that make me let loose, such as like indoor, the spin classes that you do that have live music and the lights are out and everyone's singing and <laughs> working out at the same time, like doing things that force me to let loose and practice doing that. Um, because it was something that was really hard to be able to do right. back in New Hampshire and where I was working. And you, you, to speak to that, just that you really felt there was kind of a pressure or um, this expectation to sort of be that, that blank slate type person or. Yeah, absolutely. I, I felt like I had to be the neutral person because of the type of work it was and just the type of, um, the populations we were serving, it wasn't just one population. So it was kind of like, um, it was hard to be yourself because of all the boundaries you had to instill to reinforce safety for yourself and for others. Um, it was harder to have that um, fun and inviting environment. Right, right. Yep. I think, I think we, I'm hoping our profession is moving in a direction that's recognizing that like therapists are people too. And there's, there's obviously something to be said for boundaries being put in place to focus on the other and maintain their safety, but um, not at the expense of squashing the humans that are doing the work. Um, yeah. So I, I like that dancing in the, in the spin class for you too. Yeah, I love it. It's <laughs> my, my fix a little bit that I get, and I'm hoping I can bring that back in some of my personality because I used to have that a little bit and having fun with people and don't get me wrong I believe in professionalism and still having those boundaries but I am I do believe there's a way to be happy and have fun while doing all of it in any organization or company you're in or work that you are doing so most importantly now so you're you're in the middle of this thing and you're putting it all together and you've taken the leap. You're on the other side of the leap now. So what would be your advice, right? What do you think would be most important for other helpers, probably like young helpers that are starting to get disillusioned <laughs> with their, with their work or starting to realize, Oh, maybe I want something different for myself than what I'm in right now, but I don't know how to get there. And I'm afraid of leaving because I don't want to disappoint the clients or whatever the case is, right? What, what advice would you give to those people that are right on the cusp of maybe taking the leap into something new, but just don't quite have the confidence to do it? Yeah, it's so hard because I'm so complicated myself, but <laughs> I know everyone's different in how they function and what works for them. So in instinctively, I think of, um, whatever way it is for them to be able to self-reflect. So whether that is talking with somebody, whether it's a professional, a significant other, a family member they really trust, friends that they really trust, and kind of having that opportunity to reflect on what they're thinking and what they're going through. Personally, I do it through writing. I kind of write things out and explore like, what is mine right now that I'm having a tough time with and, and kind of figure out what, what is their why, right? Like what is making them happy? Why are they at that place? And what do they want for the future? Um, I read something that kind of said the, 
I think it's choice, chance, change, right? You make the choice to um, start thinking and thinking about what you want next and what you want to be different. And then you take the chance. So the first step is kind of making that choice to want something else mm-hmm. and then figuring out what it is that you want. I think you have to embrace your support systems or self-reflect a little bit. Um, I did a lot of writing. I did a lot of what makes me happy and thinking about that. What makes you happy? I knew working out helped my mental health so much. And when I would play and pick up basketball leagues, I would laugh, I would smile. Um, and it was something I wasn't doing elsewhere very often for very long. Um, and I decided to build off of the happiness. Right. So figuring out what makes them happy also and finding a way to fit that into their work because it's possible. Yeah, it's necessary. Absolutely. So if people want to kind of, I know you're going to start maybe posting some of some of your experience or if people want to follow you or if people are interested to see where you're going with like the wellness coaching or those kinds of things, is there a place where people can follow you? Yeah. So right now I'm in the, like, this is a whole new thing for me, um, being only a month down here and kind of talking with you, Dana and other people. But right now for Facebook, my name's Skylar, S-K-Y-L-E-R. Which I also didn't know until you said, but go on. Yeah. S-K-Y-L-E-R and then Joan, J-O-A-N. And it's a picture of me and my boyfriend laughing together with flowers in the background. Um, And in there, I'm going to put links to my page where I'm going to start posting more around my journey. So that way people can pick and choose whether they would like to go to it or not. Um, And then also, I'm, that's the same name I have on Instagram. And once I do create my own business page, I, I will send it over to you, Dana, that you can add into a link if you'd like to. Great. Yeah. No, and I'll link to everything in the show notes too, so that people can, can go find you. I think a lot of people would be really interested to read about, um, or follow along with like what you're doing and, and how that is coming together. Um, Yeah. I mean, even changing that name, I I changed it today in the picture that that's kind of the next thing I'm going to write about a little bit and in the process of identifying as myself again. Awesome. I love that. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. Of course. I'm happy to be on. Okay, that's our show this week. For more from Skylar, you definitely want to check out and see what she's doing. Uh, keep up with her with her progress. You can find her at Skylar Joan on Facebook, and you can find her on Instagram at Fit Life Sky. And you can follow her her kind of progress and journey as she moves closer to uh, what she wants. So I definitely recommend looking at that. For more from me, you can go to Instagram at Help for the Helpers Podcast. You can also look on Facebook, Help for the Helpers with Dana Belletier page and and join the community there. Rocco Misco does the music. Thank you, Rocco. And thank you, Liam, for producing the show. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye.
Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network.